Welcome back to Late Night Cage Fight. This is another exciting Cageless episode. The three of us, I'm Cage Fighter Reese. We're not cage fighters for Cageless, but I'm never going to remember that. I'm Reese with Sean and Steve here. We just finished The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But just to specify, is this Cageless or is this the CU or what are we here? How far does this hole go? We're talking about movies and shows that Cage should have been a part of, but for some reason wasn't. And so it's kind of a modern complaint to Hollywood where we air our grievances. Hey, you know, we watched this thing. Cage wasn't in it. But it also gives us a chance to kind of um, have some therapy away from all of the, the Cage-tastic films that we are buried up to our necks in, right? Well, technically... With the Marvel Cinematic Universe introducing the multiverse, somewhere out there in a parallel universe is both Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. Uh, scraping at the door! Scraping at the door! And his character in Kick Ass, which is also a Marvel property. Really? I really like that movie, and I didn't know that. I don't think it's actually connected to the universe, but it is published by Marvel. So you're saying there's a possibility? It, it is a possibility. Anything's possible in that. What did you call it? The Cage Multiverse? By the time this episode drops, I believe the first episode of season three of Late Night Cage Fight, our regular Nick Cage review series will also be out. We will have watched uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. That's not what it's called. What is it called? Red Rock West and Deadfall, masterpieces of cinema. So be sure to check that episode out, you know, if it's out when you listen to this. Uh, also, check out, check out our website at nickcagefight.com. All right, let's jump into Captain America. So Sean is going to kind of lead this discussion. He is our in-house Marvel man. He is the Marvel man. And Steve is kind of the Marvel sidekick, and I'm kind of the Marvel boy, the Marvel novice. Mar Marboy. Marboy. I'm Marboy, and I don't have a whole lot of experience in the Marvel world for various reasons. But I watched this series. I I uh, I wasn't too sure if I liked it at first. By about the third or fourth episode, I'd say the third episode, definitely, I was really into it. Um, I'm happy now to have seen it and watched the whole thing, and I'm excited to have this discussion. But yeah, Sean, go ahead and, and take us into our discussion of... I can never remember, though. It's such a long title. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, I keep wanting to say... I keep wanting to say, like, the Raven and the... I don't know, Beast like Boy. Winter Warrior or something. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the Kmart version. Yeah, yeah. I can only, I can only think of the five dollar DVD title that you're gonna find at Walmart. So in this episode of Bible Man. So before we get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, 
especially you, Steve, because um, we, uh, well, technically we did record a second part of the WandaVision podcast, but we decided not to release it. Right. We may release it at some point down the line. We'll see. Let us know if you would actually be interested in that, but it was mainly me explaining Mm -hmm. a bunch of shit and everyone else just kind of going, this guy's a f***ing nerd. Nerd alert! (laughs) Just a lot of head nodding. Yeah. I get that a lot. So you want to ask... In, in brief what we thought about it or Steve yeah yeah what what did you guys think about the ending of WandaVision second half yeah what did you think Steve so for me I, I'm you know familiar with all the characters and everything but unfamiliar with the grander Marvel universe really only well versed in the Marvel cinematic universe so there were a lot of um Characters that I'm looking up and kind of figuring out and understanding as they're introduced. So it was kind of a it was a good learning experience for me, learning Agatha Harkness and White Vision. So I'm really interested to see they they brought this new character in and then the series ended. So I I do feel this very setup routine coming like similar to the way we felt with you know, Hulk, Iron Man, and, like, as they were setting up towards the first Avengers movie where we never really saw it coming, where now it's this kind of question of what are we setting up this time? Um, but all, of it, all in all, I mean, I think the fight was... It wasn't how I expected it to go, but good. Yeah, I, th- I thought overall it was pretty good. I didn't think that there were uh, as many surprises, really, as a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. But, yeah... Later on, we can go to a few of the things that it seems that they're setting up in the universe. There's definitely some interesting stuff down the line uh, that both series have been alluding to, and uh, especially with some of the projects in the queue. Yeah, but... Nice. Yeah, so Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a six-episode miniseries on Disney+. Plus. You could kind of call it almost a replacement for a fourth Captain America movie. It has a very similar tone and type of plot to both Captain America the Winter Soldier and Civil War and uses a lot of the same characters. You see, obviously you have uh, you know Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes, uh, and then you have the return of Baron Zemo, uh, the villain from Civil War. Oh, that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people don't didn't really recognize the character if they weren't familiar with who he was supposed to be. Mm. I, I myself, I knew of the character of Baron Zemo. But I always knew him because he's a dude with like a big purple mask. So I, I never really knew a lot about him as a character. Mm -hmm. I had read some things with him, but yeah. So in this series, it's cool because you finally get the mask, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) which is like his iconic look. Yeah, but I, you know, you also get Emily Van Camp plays Sharon Carter, who is the granddaughter i think granddaughter i i'm yeah blanking yeah, yeah. but granddaughter 
granddaughter yeah the granddaughter of uh sharon carter uh who uh reese i believe you you said you had seen the uh first captain america that is um his uh steve's uh love interest in that not mine not mine not mine Hikari, if you're listening, it's not mine. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. You're talking about the Captain America Steve, right? Yes. Okay. I, I yeah. don't want to get Steve in trouble with his <laughs> with his wife. Uh, yeah, there were. I had questions about that character, but I I was digging it. You know, overall, when it's when it's obvious that there are pieces missing. It was easy for me to kind of fill in the blanks and, and recognize it and just kind of just go with it, you know? Like, I could kind of figure out, okay, there was some beef between these characters. The, this guy, you know, the Winter Soldier, well, it was pretty obvious he was a bad guy and did some pretty evil stuff that he's trying to, I don't know, get past. Um, yeah. But with her specifically, she kind of has a, you know, spoilers post-credits sequence. Right at the end of the series, the finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had no idea what that was about, but I'm like, I yeah. Honestly, there's not there's not really a lot to know. Really? Yeah. Her her uh, quote unquote twist at the end. Yeah. It, literally everybody predicted that it was like the most. Yeah. 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 Which, it, which it, is it, funny though, in contrast to Wandavision, where there were a lot of predictions on things. That people didn't. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of uh, belief in what? Uh, Mephisto? Yeah, Mephisto. Yeah, that was the big Still waiting. Yeah, that was what (laughs) everyone really expected Ralph to be, and then it was just nothing. Yeah. So it's actually funny this time that, like, everyone is totally convinced of this one, and it ends up, yep, they got it right this time. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, shout out to Kevin Feige for trolling everybody on the internet with the most epic dick joke ever. Which which one? The character uh, that everyone thought was. Uh, Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe was a character named Ralph Boner. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Ralph Boner? Boner. <laughs> I do want to say that I, I appreciated the banter in this series that Falcon has with the, the Winter Soldier. You can have to remind me of their names. we got Bucky, and then who's the Falcon? Sam. Sam, yeah. Bucky and Sam's banter between them is, is pretty funny at times. I, I enjoy Yeah, they, uh, I, that was one of the highlights for me is I, I thought that, that both Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan both had really good chemistry. Right. <laughs> I mean, their, their characters, they're, they always basically have been competing to be Steve's best friend, basically. And then okay. you take Steve out of the picture, and I mean, yeah. they never really, they never really uh, liked each other that much. So, <laughs> so and that's where I want to go in with like, what I think is one of the funny things about like good ways that this was directed and pushed and developed, because there was this this aspect in the movies that I don't I don't know, or in, I'm sorry, in the series and the way that their their banter was done and the way that their characters were introduced, that had this very like. A lot of times, whenever you had the certain shots, 
with Bucky particularly, I always got like this Uncle Jesse kind of feel from him, where he was like you know the the suave but like troublemaker kind of guy, and mm. you know, and then you had Sam who was this came from a rough neighborhood but always did the right thing kind of guy, and it was like this buddy cop kind of movie too, yeah. of like all bundled up where there's like all these tropes that we're used to from growing up mm-hmm. with with these characters that were kind of like subtly reintroduced um, in kind of like a good seamless way but like there were a lot of just real I mean Shanghai noon rush hour kind of moments yeah um, for sure it, it's yeah. funny it's funny you mentioned that because there were there was this scene and I think it's episode five where you know, it, it, everyone is. Uh, so Sam is with his sister, and Bucky's with them, and and they're basically just both working on this boat. And yeah. you get you get this almost like '80s montage of just them, like you know, clowning around and. Yeah, it was like it was like an episode of like Full House or something, and like. They're just all out. Yeah. Yeah. Doing their daily routines. We're going to come together. We're going to fix this boat. Sam's just like trying to fix the siding on the boat. And like Bucky just comes over with his big metal arm and just like rips it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, and I like how he's like, yeah, you, you can stay at my house, but uh, don't hit on my sister. But don't flirt with my sister. Because no. if you do, I'll have Carlos cut you up and feed you to the fish. Okay. Yeah. So it starts out after the events of Endgame. As you said, Sam struggles with the idea of taking over as Captain America. Can I ask, what happened to Captain America? I don't even know. Oh, yes. So, obviously spoilers for the end of Endgame, but... Oh, uh, damn. (laughs) Okay, well, I want to watch it, so that's all right. Let's just go. We'll just... Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I want to watch it. Well, the, the, the simple version is that he retired. Yeah. The simple version is he retired. Okay. Did he yeah. get, you know, like, someone smashed through his chest? How much detail do you want? Did he... How much detail his, do you want? Did he How get much his detail heart? do you want? I just wanted to make a joke. I just wanted to make a really, really bad joke, Steve. But I don't want any details. Don't tell me. Because I'm going to sit through, what is it, two and a half hours, three hours of superheroes flying around, you know, talking shit to each other, CG. Um, I thought you were doing the whole MCU because we're actually talking closer to 36. Days. Bro, you you got like 20, 24 movies to go. So, yeah, in that case, you might as well just tell me what happens to Captain America because I'm not going to remember by the time I, I get to Endgame. Uh, uh, that's a joke. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. Well, we'll just say he retired. He retired. So, he retires and passes the shield to Sam. And Yeah, and Sam isn't man enough. To pick it up and become Captain America. Yeah. What's up with that? This is actually something they go into in the series of why Sam is so hesitant to become Captain America. Uh-huh. Because he was playing the race card, right? If you want to say it, say it that way, Steve. <laughs> if you want to say it that way. Playing the race card? <laughs> is, that not how we, is that not what it means? Oh. Did I get that one wrong? Thank you to our sponsors, the NAACP. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, donate to them at uh, 
NAACP.net. Race is a big part of the story, and I appreciated that. I mean, I don't know if we want to go in that direction now with that discussion, but I liked... Um, I thought it, I thought it was, you know, from my perspective, tastefully explored in in a mature way, and yeah. a lot of that is the writing, and a lot of that is uh, Anthony Mackie's performance. I I was just invested in his his story. Yeah, you know? yeah he he truly wanted to understand why things had happened the way they did before making a decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked that that aspect of the series, the the self, uh, the identity exploration. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting was they have an exchange at one point between Sam and Bucky, and Bucky just straight up tells him, "Look, me and Steve were from the." 40s or whatever like we didn't even think about like what it would mean to hand the shield to a black man oh okay what that meant the current day that's pretty cool i don't remember that line but that's that is interesting to think about yeah it's it's pretty honest right if you're from that time yeah it's just like it's not even a question yeah but uh you know, getting back into the the basic rundown of the plot. So, uh-huh. Sam decides to give up the shield, and he gives it to the government, thinking that they're going to put it in the Captain America exhibit that yeah. I, I believe is at the Smithsonian. I'd have to double check that, but mm-hmm. at the end of the first episode, he's watching TV, and uh, they introduce this new character, John Walker. John Walker, give me some Johnny Walker. Yeah, that, I thought that was interesting that we got we're getting a new Captain America, and he's kind of like you know your all American hero type. He'd been to obviously he was military, had like three deployments I think to Afghanistan, been through combat, and he's white, and he is white, blonde hair, blue eyed, a genetic copy of Kurt Russell is pretty cool i didn't even know that kurt russell had a son so i just want to say real quick when you told me that this was kurt russell's son i I couldn't stop seeing it i'm like wow that is so awesome and he's a good actor he looks just like kurt russell and uh i think i think we have our snake for the metal gear movie seriously come on the very first shot of John Walker in the costume is so awkward looking. I just remember like when they have that first shot, I, I'm i like, this is just the goofiest looking dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was on purpose. I feel like. Well, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe, but like it's excessive because throughout the rest of the series, he looks more like rugged and, and whatever, yeah. but like yeah. in the beginning, he just looks goofy. I think that was on purpose to really trip you up. So who, cool. so is it, is it Congress who selects the next Captain America, the, you know, superheroes? How, how is the, what is the process? It's a bit nebulous, but okay. I'm assuming that... It has to be Congress now because of the events of Civil War. All right. 
Can I? Can I just want to say say this about the backstory, which I'm not that familiar with. You know, this is coming from someone who hasn't seen these movies. I saw a lot of influence from the movie Blade Runner 2049. I think is what it is. Yeah, right. Blade Runner 2049. In that movie, there has been this event called the blackout, where all of our data as a as a global society has been erased. It's some kind of major catastrophe. So people have to start over. And I understand in, in this series, they call it the blip, right? And I wasn't exactly sure mm-hmm. what the blip was. I knew that there was... Was it, uh, was it Ultron? Is he the one who did Thanos. it? Thanos. Thanos, yeah. Thanos who made all these people disappear, basically. And then after, after two years, they reappear, right? Five years, but yeah. Okay, five years. I thought it was two. Five yeah. years, they reappear, but the world has already adapted to yeah. the loss of, of yes. all these people. And so their sudden reemergence is causing these social issues. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Which, ironically enough, I think is is hilarious in one way because when when uh, sorry this is another side note anecdotal bullshit thing when endgame first came out there was a have you ever seen like the darkly anyways they did a skit um which was basically if thanos had an assistant all right he was like i just wiped out half of the universe to to end starvation dude's like are you an idiot you don't wipe out half you know what the problem with with Starvation is supply chain. Do you know what you just fucked up? Supply chain. You just took planes out of the air. You sank ships. People, drivers are out of their cars. There are accidents all over the place. You just put the world into complete fucking turmoil. We already had enough resources for everybody. And just this entire thing against that, which is funny because that entire idea was more or less neglected in the movies is is the whole point of this. So for us now to actually visit the inverse of that, I think, is is uh-huh. kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Of course, I don't even know what Thanos' motivations were, having not seen it. I just assumed he's an ass, and he could do yeah. it, so that's why. But I'm sure that his motivations are more um, nuanced than that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll leave that one for for you to you to watch when you when you get yeah, there. I, th- yeah, I think I know. Uh, I know I know I sound like a dumbass, Sean. I know. Okay, I haven't seen it, <laughs> so you can at least just be like, well, you know, that's that's you're trying, you're trying. Yeah. Just shut up and get in the Ava. Yeah, Reese. just shut up and get in the Ava. It's got uh, Marvel movies yeah. on. Are you even an American? I watched this series. That makes me an American. Right. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well. Well. Thank you for entertaining my my questions. Should we talk about the flag smashers? I wasn't. I didn't really like that name. I thought they could have come up with something a little better. But you know, let's smash so, some flags. So that's since Marvel Comics have been going on since like what, like the fifties or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are some dumbass. Names. Okay. <laughs> Flag Smasher is actually the character. Oh, I always forget his last name. Uh, so in this series, it's Carly Morgenthau, but in in the comics, it's just Carl Morgenthau, 
and he goes by the name Flag Smasher. Okay. That is like an 80s ass, yeah. 80s super villain name. <laughs> yeah. He probably had, like, a studded jacket and everything. We have a lot of this action happening in uh, Europe. So, I mean, they could have just chosen some Eastern European language and translated Flag Smasher into that, and it probably would have sounded cool. Like, okay, Flag Smasher. It's kind of like in uh, Black Panther, there's a character named Killmonger. So they're able to take a character with a dumbass name like Killmonger and make him actually, like, a good character. (laughs) So we got these super soldiers. We get our MacGuffin here, and that's the serum. And I want you know the flag smashers. They reminded me of uh, reminded me of Twelve Monkeys. If you've ever seen that movie, you know they got that symbol that you see, and it's like, oh, the Twelve oh, Monkeys. Yeah. They got this conspiracy happening. And, but for them, it's not it's not a virus. It's not a, an apocalyptic virus. It's um, these vials of serum that they're using to. Uh, I believe what she wants to do is build a an army of super soldiers to create to what overthrow to overthrow the United States government is that the idea or so that that's the thing that is kind of interesting really this the whole plot doesn't even really have that much to do with America so the flag smashers they believe that we should not have borders because basically what happened was all these people came back from the blip and they didn't have a home. And there's this organization called the GRC, the Global Repatriation Council, which just sounds like something straight out of Metal Gear Solid. GRC, the Global Repatriation Council. Reset, restore, rebuild. They they essentially want to reestablish these borders, and the Flag Smashers, they're a uh, activist group, basically turned terror group, that is essentially trying to achieve this world without borders and get the uh, the GRC to stop the recreation of the borders. Their belief, right, was that the world the world was essentially better before. Uh, people came back because when everyone disappeared like the world all came together we eliminated borders we became this like unified world that that helped each other to recover from the devastation of losing everything essentially and so now that all these people came back it's it's this it's this idealism of like do we go back to the way things were before all this happened, which is what these people that just suddenly reemerge remember, or do we go with the people that have survived these last five years and the new world that they've come to live inside of? And so, like, there's this battle between literally 50% of the of the world that is confused and scared and I see. doesn't know where to go. So... Basically, flag smashers—they're like—they're like a—they're like a, um, kind of like a radicalized doctors without borders, right? Carly Morgenthau, her character—I, she's all right. I mean, I think the actress—the actress played the role great. My favorite scene with her, though, was actually when they reveal her when she's in the back of the truck. Bucky, you know, thinks that she's a hostage, but then she just looks up and gives this grin. 
and kicks kicks his ass out of the truck. I just I don't know. That really surprised me. That part. It's like, damn, who is this? And then you learn that she's kind of the one who's uh, leading this group. I think I liked the initial interaction between her and Sam. That was probably my my favorite. Yeah. Why? I I liked the I liked the dialogue. I liked the uncertainty and, and just the level of character that she really showed there. Where like she she just really like she really showed opening herself up and oh, like accepting and then like and then just like doubling down on like her beliefs and yeah. I think she did a really good job portraying that as an actress actually. Oh yeah. So you want me to stop because people are getting hurt, right? But Sam, what if I'm making the world a better place? It's not a better place if you're killing people. It's just different. You're either brilliant or just hopelessly optimistic. You can really tell that the that Carly's character is she's very young. She's not a kid or anything, but mm-hmm. probably in her early 20s and she's kind of unsure about, you know, wh- what she's doing and yeah. she really believes in this cause and believes that what she's doing is right, but they go mm-hmm. into this idea of supremacy not not of not of the white variety but uh-huh. more so of that super soldiers believe that they're superior beings right white vision wasn't in this that's what that's what she believes though she believes that they are superior because they are super soldiers and that's why she wants to create more but oh. well that's more so what zemo believes that mm. uh okay. the flag smashers will think that their cause is just because they are basically the chosen ones. Uh, because they have the serum. Yeah. The serum kind of like messes with you and thinks you think you're more than what you really are. Because once you get that taste of like, I don't know, seemingly invulnerability or invincibility, you start believing that you're better or more capable, that your cause is more just. It just, it takes someone that's uh, radical and turns them into a terrorist kind of idea. Right. The serum amplifies everything that is inside, so good becomes great, bad becomes worse. Right, which it was interesting when later in the series, Captain, the new Captain America, uh, his partner, Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar, He's having a hypothetical conversation with Captain America, who's who has asked him, you know, what what would you think about taking the serum if you had it? Would you take it? And Lamar's uh, response was something like, "He's like, hell, hell yeah, yeah would. wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just make you more of who you already are? Yeah." And man, I just I, of course we we all know what ends up happening to that character, but I remember thinking, wow, that is a foolish belief. To think that um, power just makes you more of who you already are. I mean, there's that quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, but there's, I think that's a common belief, though. I think that's a common belief about a lot of things, right? I hear yeah, the same I agree. thing about getting drunk or getting more money or yeah. going more, gaining any bit of whatever we consider mm-hmm. a step forward or, or, you know, liquid courage or my next you know, whatever, but yeah. we think that it makes us more of who we are, but you're right. Yeah, but it makes you ask this question then. Did it affect <laughs> Captain America? Did it make him behave less morally, or was that already who he was? And it just right. amplified well, that part of him, you know? If you go back to the original Captain America, the whole point of Steve Rogers was that 
they didn't want to give the serum to somebody who was already strong, who already knew power. Okay. Because they already know what that is like. Mm -hmm. They wanted to give it to somebody who would appreciate it. And they found Steve Rogers, who was this person who had a very weak body, but had a very strong heart. Yeah. And what made him such an inspiring figure as Captain America was that he was willing to do what it took to protect people, even if it meant sacrificing his own life. All he wanted to do was serve his country and protect those close to him. Mm. And, you know, this kid from Brooklyn became a real hero. Yeah. Went on to uh, have this legacy. Mm. And, uh, And one of the things that John Walker struggles with throughout the series is just this expectation of being as great as Steve Rogers was. Yeah. I mean, this is somebody who... Somebody who fought somebody that was able to wipe out half of life in the universe. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who saved trillions of lives. I see. And, you know... It's kind of an impossible comparison. Yeah, and I I really like what they do with his character because, you know, he he's a little cheesy at first, but, you know, you can tell that he's a very conflicted character. He has this dark streak to him, you know, where he is willing to do some things that Captain America wouldn't have done. That's why they kind of make him almost like an anti-hero in the series. Yeah, my favorite fight scene, honestly, was when it went down between uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky and the new Captain America. I was like, this this is what I've, I've been watching this show for, this showdown. And I don't know if you want to lead into that, into the fighting, talking about um, the fight sequences now. But overall, I just I was really impressed by by the choreography and the action. Super well done. I liked just uh yeah like i said choreography how they would fight the brawling i loved how sam wilson falcon would use his suit that was so cool he knew i mean he could judge distance so well to open up those wings inside when fighting and also he would use like the blast off of his jetpack to to an effect you know to to blow back adversaries yeah i I really liked how they just how kinetic the the fighting was you know it bucky would use his arm there was one line though what was it i don't remember what he did he tried to do something with his right hand and screwed it up and he goes i didn't use your metal arm he goes i didn't think about it right-handed yeah yeah Yeah, it was to unscrew something or right what was it yeah (laughs) it it was something yeah oh yeah yeah it was it was the pipes tightening the pipes or whatever yeah 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 for the the boat there was something was going on with the boat (laughs) so tell me about him i don't want to go too deep into his backstory but but what's the deal i haven't seen the movies but there were some flashbacks Winter soldier is yeah, go ahead. Tell me, is, is it is it Santa Claus? So, just for Marvel in general, right? The Winter Soldier was a uh, it was a good guy turned bad guy turned good guy kind of scenario. Okay. 
So you know, one of the one of the common superhero sort of tropes. You know, best friend of the iconic superhero kidnapped by your villainous group, brainwashed to be a villain that shows up later, okay, and then gets rectified but has terrifying past and I tries to atone for that kind of deal. So that's more or less his story. But he was an assassin for a while. For, yeah. for Nazis. An assassin, an assa- yeah, for Nazis. Okay. I, I don't know. You wouldn't really call him an assassin for hire. It was kind of like um, an assassin for... It was just kind of incidental. Like, oh, I'm here. I better kill these people. They would put him in cryosleep. Mm-hmm. So essentially they, they gave him the super soldier serum and ran experiments on him mm-hmm. after they recovered his body and after the events of the original Captain America where he was presumed dead. He's in the first Captain America? Yeah. Man, I don't yeah. remember yeah. I don't remember his character. So I do, saw do you remember the, in do you remember the very, very beginning of the movie when uh, Steve Rogers is trying to enlist and he has that buddy yeah. who he's talking with? Yeah. That's Bucky Barnes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm remembering now. Literally, yeah. I saw that movie opening day at the theater. Yeah, Bucky Barnes was like his arrogant best friend who was like, man, I'm already shooing for the army. Good luck. Good luck, Steve. Yeah. You'll never get in. Uh, <laughs> his rival kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like his best yeah. friend, but rival, yeah. who was, you know, the strong, the one that everybody looked up to. Mm-hmm. He was the, the cool kid, you know, that was yeah. a shoo-in for the military. He was the one that all the girls loved. And, oh, okay. Did, yeah. did he get his arm in the movie? No. Okay. No, no, right? That was part of the uh, the Hydra experiment. Yeah. I see. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of details I miss. Yeah. That I forget. <laughs> Pretty much uh, okay. Captain America 2 and 3 are both, they go into a lot of that. I see. Yeah. Those are some of the best films in the in the whole, whole thing, in my opinion. Sean, there's one thing I forget as part of this too, and you you probably remember. Were were Bucky and Sam part of the blip, or did they survive it? They both got snapped away. Okay, okay. So they were both gone for for that time. That's what I couldn't remember. I got the feeling throughout the series that Sam was, but I couldn't remember if they both were. When they went to wherever they went, did they go to the dead zone? Did they have to fight Garlic Jr.? Cartoon Network presents a special Dragon Ball Z movie, Dead Zone, Friday at 4, only Toonami. I just didn't know if there was a spinoff or something. Um, I, you never I know. I mean, imagine if they did, it would have had to have been an endless fight, because he's 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 immortal now, right? The, the Dragon Ball's granted his wish, so he's immortal. He can't oh die. Oh my god. Man. If they did, they fought him for the five years entirely. I just had this vision of us with a Dragon Ball Z podcast. That's all we talk about is Dragon Ball Z. Man. Just Dragon Ball Z. That's it. That's we do it. one episode a week. No, one episode a month. <laughs> Reese, if, if you want to get caught up on the Dragon Ball Super manga and we could talk about some fucking... Is the uh, manga still running? Yeah. What? I thought they ended it. Cause, oh, the man. show? Well, I assume the show wouldn't be ended if the manga was still going, but... Well, I'll add it to my list, Sean. I mean, why throw away money? <laughs> I'll add it to my list. Let's just keep going here through this through this Disney Plus series. Sorry, Dad. Johnny Walker. You guys got some Johnny Walker? Oh, Sam and Bucky, they team up to take on the Flag Smashers. 
And then Sam and Bucky break Zemo out of prison to help find who is creating these super soldiers. I didn't know who Zemo was, but I knew he was a pretty bad dude. And Zemo takes him to the fictional underground city of Madripoor. Yep. And that's where they reunite with Sharon Carter. Not Aaron Carter. Sharon Carter. Kind of confused me. Is still a they do have a party, though. They do. That, that again, Blade Runner, man, this whole city is definitely a Blade Runner city. Definitely. I mean, you got the neon, it's nighttime, they got the bikes. Zemo's even wearing the same jacket out of Blade Runner 2049. So I was <laughs> like, man, this is cool. Good thing I like Blade Runner. Just to show how how much power Marvel has over meme culture, there is like a one second clip of Zemo dancing, and Marvel released an entire clip that was like six hours of just Zemo just like doing the full like dance. Are you serious? Well, you know why, mm-hmm. right? The fans demanded it. the Zemo cut. Yeah, yeah they wanted it. Because he said, he said something about it like in an interview. And he was like, yeah, you know, I only used a small portion of the dance. Like, I had much longer version of that or whatever. They were like, where is it at? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know any of this. Wow. But then we learned about the power broker. The power broker is an important shadowy figure who is funding, funding the terrorists, right? The power broker is a shadowy underground character who is able to replicate the super soldier serum after countless people had tried and failed and was selling it on the black market to uh, people. The power broker added a few ingredients and accidentally added an extra ingredient, Chemical X. Chemical X. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! You know, you you laugh, but they're making a live-action Powerpuff Girls show uh, right now with the girl from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who is an American treasure. You do know that Japan did a spinoff, right? Powerpuff Girls Z or something like that? There was like a teenage (laughs) version of Powerpuff Girls? Oh my. So, okay, their, their investigation leads them... I'm I'm skipping that pretty sweet scene where they're talking to uh, what's her name. Um, she's got an Australian accent, and and remember, and Sam takes the phone call, and he's talking to his sister. I'm supposed to be uh, smiling tiger. Yeah, smiling tiger. I'm Rick Ross. You know what I'm talking about, Steve? What scene I'm talking about? No. But oh, it's, remember when? To be honest, to be honest, I'm, I I struggle a little bit because I've been watching Invincible on Amazon Prime like back to back with this. So every once in a while, there's like some character names that are somewhat similar. I don't. There was something I was watching where Machine Head was mentioned, and I and which is a character from Invincible. So I got totally fucked up, and it crossed all my paths. Yeah, there's a lot of very similar locations for scenes too. Well, I, it, I'm talking about the the events that lead up to them meeting up with uh, Sharon Carter, female Aaron Carter. Yeah, when when Sam takes a phone call and she's like, you know, his sister's like, Sam, well, what's going on? And then the lady is like, Sam, who's Sam? Kill them. She gets killed by, is it Sharon? Who blasts her? Remember, somebody shoots from outside the window. It was Sharon. 
Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Which, Sharon, I thought her character was really boring in Civil War. I mean, all she basically did was just, like, make out with Captain America, which was kind of weird, because it was like, you kind of dated my grandma, but then, like, I want, I'm just going to get some of that 100-year-old D. (laughs) So, I'm going to say this, uh kind of weird my grandpa's name also was steve and he was in world war ii but i don't think he was captain america maybe in an alternate timeline he was uh yeah so i should have asked him i guess what what else we got happening here what else we got what else we got let's see so zemo takes them to the fictional underground yeah of madripoor they learn about the power broker Ayo, former bodyguard of King T'Chaka of Wakanda, wants to capture Zemo for killing their king. That's what he did. Okay. Yeah, they wanted him. So you got the Dora Milaje from Black Panther coming back. Uh... <laughs> I especially like the I especially like the, the conversation at the end of that episode. Like, I you know, you guys only have jurisdiction in, in Wakanda. Like... We have jurisdiction wherever we find ourselves to be. Wherever the fuck we yeah. want. <laughs> yeah. The Dora Milaje don't have jurisdiction here. The so. Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. Okay. I, I, I also thought it was interesting how uh, new Captain America, you know, pretty much got his ass kicked again. And he's like, man, I suck. Which is uh, to go back to your point earlier, right? The whole the whole Lamar, the whole Battlestar, the the amplifying who you are thing, right? I think we had numerous indications throughout the the whole series leading up to that very ideal of of us very much seeing his uh, I don't know his uh, desire to be the best, I guess. Yeah, perfectionism. Leading up, mm-hmm. living up to the the images, whatever the case may be, but but yeah. his his belief is that you know he, I think he sees himself as somebody that is that, but he also truly strives to be better or strives to yeah. be perfect and yeah. is always chasing That's it. That's a good point. Yeah. What, what did you guys think about the crossover when uh, you know John John Walker? wants to take the serum, but it's not quite right yet, so he goes to New Mexico and uh, Brian Cranston um, from Breaking Bad you know, helps him in his trailer to kind of perfect it, and then they have that long, drawn-out scene where he injects it into himself, and it's just such a social commentary on drug usage. And then Brian Cranston takes some, too, and immediately ODs and it's kind of like a very emotional ending to that episode because right, and like the whole time, Captain America's just laying there, passed out, just watching. Yeah. It was super weird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, props. Well, that's why when Mad when props. John Walker died, uh, you know it 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 wasn't the cops' fault because there was fentanyl in his body. Uh, that, that didn't happen, by the way. If you listeners uh, didn't catch on, it was just which me. part? Any of it? He does. John Walker does take the serum, but we don't see it. We see that he has it, and then all of a sudden, I, I like how he's he's fighting the the uh, flag warriors, uh, flag freedom fighters, 
And then what well, he like catches some pipe or something. Furry force. And then he's fighting the furry force and he bends <laughs> he bends their uh, you know, cosplay thing in half. And they're like, yeah. oh, shit, he must have taken the serum, man. Oh, and they look at the camera, and it goes, Uh-oh. oh, wow, he took the serum. That's yeah. kind of how it went down, right? Yeah. And then Carly just, like, falcon punches Lamar Punk into a thing, and he's just like, oh, fuck. Battlestar <laughs> rip. Oh. <laughs> I was actually yeah. wondering that, you know, the, to be honest... Throughout a lot of the series, especially as it get closer and closer to the idea of him picking up the shield, mm-hmm. I really wondered if he was going to become Captain Falcon. Falcon! <laughs> 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 yeah, because, you know, his whole thing is like a black, a black man can't become Captain America, right? So, yeah. so I became Black Captain so, Falcon. Captain Falcon! <laughs> Show me you like we would get into this I was really expecting for season 6 like he opened up the thing and I was really expecting it to be like this battle between like Bucky Barnes and like uh, Black Dynamite and then like all of a sudden you just see like Bucky get knocked out and then you you hear like a new fighter is into the ring Falcon Punch (laughs) that would be so amazing this would this would easily be my favorite show ever made if they did that oh my god uh, yeah, well, John Walker is now super soldier serumed up, and he uh, he curb stomp, he shield stomps a member of the Black Flag punk band, Flag Smashers, and then he's fired, you know, he made a boo-boo, sorry, and how, how shitty was that, how shitty was that that he goes to Lamar's family and lies to them and tells them that he killed the uh, terrorist that killed Lamar when it wasn't even the same, yeah. wasn't the same person. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, like, we've all been there. We've committed murder uh, in front of uh, hundreds of people in a foreign country. <laughs> Give him a mulligan. Yeah. And, and that itself was... I interpreted that as a kind of social commentary because we know that this stuff happens right people are killed overseas yeah you know and truthfully all he was doing he was he, he killed one thug that was resisting arrest hey truthfully i don't did think you that not it's fair did you not watch the end of this series please do not use the word thug yeah of course i said i said terrorist well, that's that's the point that's the point i get it yeah right that was that was the whole idea. He he killed he killed yeah. one one criminal. He just he killed one criminal. They were breaking the law. They were yeah. doing anything wrong. Why right. should why should he why should he be stripped of his yeah. I mean, credentials? Why should he be held accountable for that? If this was the boys, he, was he would have been a heroic act in that show. So why is it? Because capitalism. <laughs> As a viewer, though, I thought it, I thought it was awesome that they went that route. It's like, oh damn, yeah. Captain America just uh, lost his shit. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of the darkest scenes in the whole Marvel universe. Yeah, I really, I was like, am I really watching Disney Plus right now? Whoa, 
when I watched it originally, yeah, I had maybe the same reaction that most people did, where this kind of like this awe. But when you told me that you had watched it, yeah, it replayed in my mind. But for some reason, it replayed in my mind with with it was actually with Nick Cage doing it, <laughs> going funny, funny, funny. Oh. I have no idea how it played out that way in my head, but for some reason, yeah. when I saw you say it in the chat, it's, that's just <laughs> yeah. that was the image Actually, that went through my the, head. The bar scene in Deadfall was in Madripoor, so <laughs> oh, now it yeah, now it comes together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. And then I love how you know that same shield had blood all over it. Now Bucky has it. They're just kind of trading it off, right? And then all of a sudden. Uh, Sam's nephews are playing around with it. Like, yeah, I got my shield. It just decapitated a guy, but we're playing with it. It's all good. I hope they cleaned it. That's my point. You know, they, they're cleaning the boat, fixing the boat. I hope they gave that shield some, I mean, you know. Wipe. Use like a magic eraser. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably like, you know, um, bits of bone, tendons. Should, do you, what did you guys think of the scientist guy? You know, you got to have an evil scientist in there somewhere. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> no, uh, Neil. He didn't. Right? He didn't Wasn't last. Neil? Patrick he Harris. Didn't. Zemo uh, does not Neil like. Diamond? Uh, if you can recreate the the uh, serum, then Zemo does not like you, and you get uh, taken out. Yeah, that guy didn't have. You know, his security wasn't that great. I mean, yeah, he was hidden inside a container, but. How did he not detect them coming through the door? I did like that fight scene with uh, with Sharon, though. She was just like, it was fucking brutal. Yeah, that was cool. Very well done. So, dragging this in a little bit into the next section, I think that uh, leads to another point, right? There's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of paranoia that comes into this entire uh, series of who's controlling who and who's the who's the mastermind behind everything, yeah. which I think is really interesting with the uh, with the implementation of uh, Val, who I've also seen referred to at least yeah. online don't call as Val. Uh, Madame Hydra. Yeah, don't call her Val. So yeah, there's definitely there's definitely like a lot of speculation as to you know. Because I, I had the question when it came to Neil, when it came to Zemo, when it came to people pulling the trigger on people constantly throughout the series of like, who's who's really pulling the strings here? What's what's really going on? Yeah. So it had this yeah. very conspiracy kind of vibe throughout. Interesting casting too. Ju- Julia Louis uh, Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Uh, yeah, I I I thought that was a cool cameo, but like, where's Jason Alexander? You got to have the two of them together. Actually, it would have been really ironic if, you know, this movie, which deals with race and racism, racial problems, if they had Michael Richards in it, Kramer, if he had a cameo. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know how that would have played. Maybe just have uh, Isaiah Bradley uh, just just take him out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wasn't too... I I didn't know all the details on his history. I got enough, though, to kind of, yeah, roll with it. But, man, I felt bad for that guy. He was somebody used and abused by the system. I was actually really excited that they pulled from this comic uh, for this series. I thought it was really fitting to the 
to the theme of just having a black man be Captain America. So in 2003, there was this uh, miniseries called uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black, and they essentially established that back during World War II, in the government's continued efforts to replicate the super soldier serum, uh, they took 300 African-American soldiers and experimented on them in, in order to create a super soldier. And they introduced this character, Isaiah Bradley, who became known as the Black Captain America. And, you know, it, it really, it, it was drawing parallels to the real-life Tuskegee experiment. And it, it was just a really, really interesting series. Sounds yeah. interesting. And, um... So it was just like a mini comic series, or yeah, I think it was like six issues or something. But... Okay, so I didn't realize that. I, I, it, it seemed like it was more established, but yeah. So everyone knew, right, that Sam would become Captain America. That's established in the comics. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so actually, uh, both. Bucky and Sam had both been Captain America at some point. Sam actually took up the mantle somewhat recently in uh, 2015. Uh, uh, Marvel was doing their, uh, they called it the all-new comic line. They relaunched a bunch of the series, and they essentially had... I, I forget the specifics, but basically Steve Rogers had... Uh, aged to be an old man or something having to do with the super soldier serum comics mumbo jumbo you know? <laughs> but but uh you know sam had uh taken up the mantle and uh okay yeah well so. you know i think that's one thing that was unique from my point of view because i didn't know that he would become captain america but i kind of hoped that he would and the other thing that i really liked about that was he still had, you know, the the main elements of his Falcon suit. Yeah. I was so I was so nervous yeah. that he was just gonna have the Captain America costume and the shield yeah. and oh it's the new Captain America, but I'm like, man, but the Falcon's so cool. And it yeah. makes sense because he he knows how to use that technology so well. So I like that he was like a souped up Falcon, you know, Captain America kind of fusion. That was I, was, cool. I, I was actually wondering, and so again, not knowing much about like the greater Marvel universe, and really want to know in the MCU. I also had this feeling that it was kind of this going to be this lead up to Sam or Bucky taking the shield, but it was probably more more likely that it was going to be Sam. Mm -hmm. And I had questions of what same idea what what he was going to be whenever he took it, and like yeah. I had this kind of envision of like okay, so he was the Falcon on his own, but now that you know, now that he's Captain America, is he going to be like the Eagle now? Is he going to be like the American Eagle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sense. I was glad to see him not coming out in like khakis and actually yeah. coming out in a full suit, you know. Right, right. Do you, do, you, do you remember that uh, character, uh, Joaquin Torres, that it, Sam's uh, kind of buddy, uh, 
I, I forget what regiment he's from. Yeah, yeah, but, he's, uh, he's the army guy, right? Yeah, he. Um, <laughs> so his, his comic origins are are kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, shout out to our season one cage fight winner, uh, Birdie. Okay. But uh, Joaquin actually. So in the comics, Sam has a real falcon as a pet named Redwing. Now it's it's a drone in the movies. But it's a real falcon in the comics, and Joaquin actually has his genes spliced with Redwing, and he becomes this weird half man, half bird thing, and he, and he becomes the Falcon when S- Sam takes over as Captain America. Really? Don't think they'll go that uh, route, but yeah. not Birdman Attorney at Law. Hey, I, I want to just mention. Now that we're at the finale, you know, I want to get your guys' opinion of the finale and just overall reaction to the ending. My favorite sequence is, so they're in New York City now, and one of the terrorists has hijacked a helicopter, and it's full of hostages. These are representatives of the the organization. Yeah, yeah. I really, really loved how Sam goes about saving the people in that helicopter he uses his um what is it the is it a falcon i don't know what he what is it what is it called the drone yeah the red red falcon yeah red 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 wing wing. yeah he uses his red wing to scan the helicopter to find anyone with piloting experience and he's able to use you know a, a database to identify this lady but i i thought that scene was a great depiction of like next generation teamwork you know on the fly instead of him just flying up taking out the bad guy taking control of the helicopter saving the day like you would expect from captain america or any superhero you know it was really clever how they went about doing that i thought it was just awesome utilizing people basically instead of being the hero as being being an example yeah right utilizing the assets yeah Uh, like i agree like hey help me help me help you but I think that's I think that's part of what makes this I I think honestly that's part of what makes this so interesting and so powerful, right? I guess yeah, in terms of like modern society, right? It's 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 a powerful statement of this of the the white man, the blonde hair, the blue eyes, and the super serum being everything above and beyond what I'm capable of doing, yet still picking up the mantle and like trying to live up to that expectation, as opposed to the person that had all of those things who was already you know, medals of honor in the military was a white man. What had all these privileges, has all these capabilities, was all this, you know, grand things, yet still couldn't keep his shit together at the end, you know. And being this person that doesn't have any of those things was, you know, lives in a family that's on the rocks, can barely get by with what they're doing, and, like, figuring out how to stand up and be a symbol to be great in this country so I, I did like the whole finale i think was just this really 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 powerful message of like what it really means to be an american today or what it could mean the only power i have is that i believe we can do better and there's there's nothing more fitting than having captain america's gear made by a foreign country <laughs> True that. True that. Touche. How did you feel about the ending, Sean? 
I just wanted to hear your opinion on the on the ending, Sean, because you told me that you saw some reviews, some early reviews that uh, weren't very. Um, they, they were yeah, pretty. Yeah, I saw some early reviews. They rated it pretty low. I think. I thought the ending was good. I thought uh, Sam's speech was powerful. Not a lot of surprises, which I felt that was kind of the deal with uh, WandaVision. I thought that Sharon's quote-unquote twist was very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought that Carly's death was kind of... uh, It wasn't that powerful to me. Necessary. It, it felt necessary. Yeah, it felt necessary, but it, it just wasn't... What am I trying to say? Uh, it just wasn't that cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it just felt like that was that was the obvious direction. It was the only way that you could do it. There was no redemption less for your character other well, than to be the redeeming factor for another. And I just... I felt it was odd how Sharon was kind of treated the same after she killed Carly. You know what I mean? What what was that it's about? Self-defense, right? We we know what was going on, but he doesn't. He sees it as you know that it was a pre, it was a protection, right? Are you talking about Sam? Yeah. So I think it was this this necessary movement to like protect her identity. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. you know I just got the sense that Sam was doing his best to try to save her to get her to come around. Yeah, and I think there's I, I give I think I get what you're leading at. There's a little bit of a plot hole because they've been he's been so adamant about protecting the Carly throughout this entire series, yet all of a sudden when Sharon was the one that killed her, he just doesn't seem to be that upset about it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think it was just the, the moment and the opportunity was intense enough to overlook it. But okay. I yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think that's break apart from his character a little bit throughout the rest of the series at least because even he even went against Bucky at one point right who was who was up against Carly and like Bucky's supposed to be you know his uh, his bro cop I'm curious with the whole uh, van scene at the end right uh-huh. the whole one world one people loading them up shipping off and then the explosion that I feel too. like there's two things going on there, right? That too. A, the, I feel like as a viewer, I'm still questioning, did he live? Did he not live? Yeah. What was the real implication there? I think those characters could have survived to come back to right. kind of wreak some havoc and, and, and yeah, score some avenues that, that, later. That soldier who was locking them inside, you know, he said the slogan, right? Yeah. One world, one world. But then it seemed like Zemo's, uh, Zemo's butler... butler just murked yeah. them all. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I don't know which one it is, right? You know, you get both of them. You get, like, the one world, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to move on. We're going to do this. And then the Zemo with the classical music, like, motherfuckers, I killed people in prison. Yeah. I, I liked so, him as, I honestly, the dude that got killed, I feel like didn't really make that much impact to me. I feel like he was just, like, wrong place, wrong time, like, one of mercenary dudes. Yeah. Was he, like... Carly's lover, or like, was he special or something, or was he just yeah. like the first of their group that died? One love, one people. They all. <laughs> yeah. So are they radical liberals, or are they radical? Are they radical Marxists? Are they radical uh, Republicans? So you hit on this earlier, right? I, I I think there was one thing that was interesting too about them all being in their like early twenties. Or, or seemingly, or like early to mid twenties, 
I think is interesting too because there was another dynamic there, right? Where the majority of the radicals were all this very young group, whereas like Bucky and and Sam were supposed to be kind of like this mid thirties, forties kind of kind of group, and then all of your like conservative GRC group are all like this much older, like you know, 60s, 50s, late 50s, 60s kind of group. So it was kind of like this ideology mix as well between the different generations, I, I, I felt like. Clearly the series was just neoliberal propaganda. It's saying, fuck you, MAGA crowd. It's saying, fuck you, leftists. Antifa. Uh, sorry, we're not allowed to talk I about mean, terrorists. you know, you do have to... I think admit you can't have a Captain America story whose main message is America sucks. America is, you know, like fundamentally evil. You're right in some ways, though, that like a lot of the story doesn't really have much to do with America itself so much as America as it believes itself to be. Right? Where America believes itself to be, you know, world police. Here to save them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, truthfully, I think that's what a lot of this is about, right? This is our, our impression of our grand scheme in the world that, that we think that we are the world police. You know, you guys laugh, but just wait until they introduce Captain Britain. It is coming. Oh, man. And I am <laughs> pumped. Base 5 MCU. It's going to be Captain America versus Captain Britain versus... Um, Prince Africa because they're a monarchy and they don't believe in king. Is is Captain Britain just 007? Uh, Captain Britain is is actually Psylocke's brother from the X-Men. So a few things that I thought were interesting additions. So Madripoor, the city of Madripoor is actually a place where Wolverine is known to hang out. Uh, Specifically, there is a bar called Princess Bar that is seen in the series, which is owned by Wolverine. What? So, uh, a few things that they have been leading up to. The Thunderbolts, which is essentially a supervillain team. Gundam? Yes. The Thunderbolt, Zemo, has previously been a member, and uh, John Walker, who becomes U.S. agent, was also a Dark Avenger, so it's very likely that they will both be members of the team moving forward. And also, the Young Avengers is something that they have been leading up to. Isaiah's grandson, Eli Bradley becomes a character known as Patriot after receiving a blood transfusion from Isaiah. And he is a young Avenger uh, alongside both of Wanda's kids who become Wiccan and Speed. That's so cool. And alongside Kate Bishop and uh, Miss Marvel. And one other thing that I wanted to mention was how the comics version of the Power Broker helps to bring 2001 A Space Odyssey into the Marvel Comics continuity. Tell me. Shout out to Movie Bob on YouTube. So the Power Broker in the comics is a character 
named Curtis Jackson, uh, not to be confused with the character of 50 Cent, who is also a superhero. The power broker, Curtis Jackson, uh, originally appeared in Machine Man number six, which is a comic that came out in September uh, 1978 and originally debuted in 2001 A Space Odyssey, an adaptation of the original novel prior to the Stanley Kubrick film drawn by Jack Kirby, and this became an anthology series. Wow. I didn't know any of that. Very cool. So I've heard a little bit about the Dark Avengers thing, right? And I've heard some bit of the uh, Agatha Harkness and the uh, the ending credits for uh, WandaVision and Scarlet Witch kind of being maybe this... Uh, experimental version of herself. Same idea with uh, the ending with U.S. Agent being kind of enlisted a little bit. Zemo kind of maybe being a little bit on the rise. What is it? Iron Patriot, I believe, is all supposed to be part of that. Thunder, Thundercats. Thunderbolt Ross, uh, who becomes the Red Hulk. So I, I, I wonder if that's a little bit... Because like I said, at the, the beginning or earlier, I, I feel a little bit of like this Avengers kind of setup going where like we're, we've got this lead up of things that don't necessarily lead into the next movie, but feel like they're leading into something. You know, the whole, the whole ending credits from WandaVision and now the ending credits. The Sharon Carter thing didn't lead into anything in this series, and I don't feel like it leads into the next series. I don't feel like the ending from WandaVision led into Winter Soldier very much either. So I feel like they're all leading up towards some new series or, or some new collaboration. So according to what's coming, WandaVision likely is leading into Spider-Man Far From Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which are both set to introduce the multiverse and then this likely is potentially leading into Secret Invasion, which is going to essentially be a Nick Fury slash Scrolls slash uh, Agents of Sword show. So I, th- I think I think we're all leading into the same thing, and I think that's I think we're being we're being conned a little bit right now into believing it's two separate things, but I think it's really going to end up being the same thing: conspiracies inside of conspiracies. Clearly, they are leading up to the live-action Big Hero Six <laughs> film. Dude, I would love that. Okay, final thoughts on uh, the Christmas movie we watched already said I, I really enjoyed it it was entertaining for me having not much of a relationship with Marvel um, I really liked how it ended I didn't think that the ending the ending speech given by Sam was pandering or something that maybe other people might complain about I thought that it was timely and relevant and very well done um, I already talked about the questions I had though with the you know like Sharon and stuff but Overall, um, I thought it had a satisfying finale, and I would recommend it. So that's my two cents. So I think that the ending, I think the ending came at a very interesting and challenging time for just American audiences in general, being really very, very, very close to the wake of like the judgment of the George Floyd oh, case yeah, and everything like that. I think that the whole idea of racial judgment and 
and violence and military and everything like that is at very very high alert. So I can understand why there was some feet, like backlash from review committees and things like that. But all in all, I think I think the message was super powerful. If to paraphrase, basically, fuck all of that. We are what we are. We need to stand up for what's right and forget the way that we've been. Yeah, basically, things. we can do better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and you know, basically the Batman idea, right? You die the hero, you live long enough to sit, let yourself become the villain, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think all around it, it tackled the, the political end, the, the vigilante end, and the terrorist end of what that means in every aspect to our current society and how we can truly kind of come together and understand that a little bit more. Right on. How about you, Sean? Yeah. It's like, it's like Sam said, you can, you have the power to pick up the phone and feed a million people, but who is in the room with you when you make that call? Yeah. We can do better. We can. And Disney Plus is helping. Yeah, yeah. So um, we don't have time to really talk about where Cage should fit in. Uh, we we kind of did, though, before. I mean, Steve, you, you said that you envisioned Cage as Captain America bashing that dude's head in with the shield. So that's that's where I put him. That's perfect. We had a Cage out without the Cage, sadly. Um, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's next for Marvel, but I'm excited. The next show coming out, I believe, is Loki, starting on June 11th. Or is Black Widow coming out before yeah. that? Black Widow is coming out before that. Is that a theaters or is that a Disney Plus release? That's going to be a premium release on Disney Plus, so you can watch okay. it on demand. Do you, do you happen another release date off the top of your head? July 9th. Oh, so Ooh, Loki. So actually, Loki will be first on June 11th. Okay. I remembered something about hearing that it got pushed back. I just didn't know which one, whether everything got pushed back. And... So I. I don't know the details on Loki. I do think I remember hearing that it doesn't uh, take place in the same universe or in the same timeline, one or the other. It's either that Loki takes place previous to a lot of the events we've been watching so far, or it takes place in a totally different universe. I'm not sure which, but I, I, I do think I remember hearing something about it not playing out of the same story necessarily. So I'm kind of excited to see where that one goes. It's a spinoff of uh, something that happened in Endgame. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to keep on trucking with our regular Nicolas Cage podcast. We are watching some exciting 90s movies starring old St. Nick and uh, having our, you know, cage battles. And in the meantime, I'm also I'm also going to work on <laughs> attempting to get caught up with Marvel. So I'm going to make an effort to go through the marvel movies maybe not in chronological order necessarily but thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode of late night cage fight part of our cageless series and thank you steve and sean for joining me for this discussion again check out our au revoir. we've got wow quite a collection of nick cage movie reviews we've also reviewed um some ari aster films yeah as part of our cageless series so check those out too and uh check out our website, nickcagefight.com. We've got more stuff coming. Keep in touch. Check us out on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful evening.